Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The one thing we can all agree on is that Sam Little was a bad man. He was born in 1940 in a small town outside Atlanta to a mother who worked as a prostitute. He was a troubled kid who grew up into a troubled man. He remembers becoming aroused as a boy in kindergarten when he saw his teacher touching her neck. As a teen, he collected photographs from true crime magazines that showed women being strangled. He went to a reformatory for boys after stealing a bike when he was 13. At 16, he was arrested for burglary in Omaha, Nebraska. Not long after that, he was caught breaking into a dry cleaner's in Lorraine, Ohio, and was sent to Mansfield Prison. He spent the rest of his life getting into trouble and living as a transient, wandering around the states from Ohio to Florida to Los Angeles. In September 1976, Little was arrested for kidnapping and rape outside St. Louis, Missouri. He spent only three months in jail for the crime. And when he got out, he moved on. In 1984, he assaulted two women in San Diego. He was found guilty for attempted murder, assault, and false imprisonment, and went back to prison for two and a half years. When he got out in 1987, he moved to L.A. In 2012, detectives with the Los Angeles Police Department linked Little's DNA to two murders that occurred in 1989. The victims were women, Audrey Nelson and Guadalupe Apodaca. But when they went looking for Little, they discovered he'd left the state. They eventually tracked him down to a homeless shelter in Louisville, Kentucky. U.S. Marshals were sent to arrest Little, who was now 72 years old. By the time he got to court, detectives had linked his DNA to a third murder, that of Carol Alford, who died in 1987. By definition, this third separate murder made Sam Little a serial killer. But for a few years, his tally remained at three. Then, in 2018, a Texas ranger named James Holland visited him in prison. 
Holland suspected Little was responsible for a lot more than three murders. And playing a hunch, he tried to get Little to talk. And talk, Little did. He talked and talked and talked for something like 650 hours of recorded interviews. And by the time he was done, Little had confessed to 93 murders. Wikipedia now lists Sam Little as the most prolific serial killer in United States history. But here's the thing. I think he's full of shit. In fact, when you look closer, the vast majority of the murders now linked to Sam Little have no evidence linking him to the crime other than his confession. And when you look into Texas Ranger James Holland, the notion of false confessions makes a little more sense. I believe that Sam Little is the prime example of what I call the boogeyman effect, the strange reaction that happens whenever we identify a new serial killer, the need to link him to every other murder that happened nearby. It's part of the human condition, this need to believe that only one man could be capable of such violence. So we create a boogeyman and give him all the cases we cannot close because it makes us feel safer. And because of this well-meaning gut reaction, we've let other killers go free. This is the philosophy of crime, and I'm your host, James Renner. There's this article that ran in The New Yorker 10 years ago that delves into the psychology behind our need for closure. It's by the writer Maria Konnikova, a Russian-born journalist who also came out with a book around that time called Mastermind, How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes. The New Yorker article is titled simply, Why We Need Answers, and begins with this sentence. The human mind is incredibly averse to uncertainty and ambiguity. From an early age, we respond to uncertainty or lack of clarity by spontaneously generating plausible explanation. The article explains how two social psychologists, Ari Krugelansky and Donna Webster, created a standard of measurement for our need for answers in any given situation, a quantitative number called our NFC, or Need for Closure. Some people have a higher baseline NFC than others. The more stressed we are, the higher need for closure we have. Answers make us feel safe, calm, and in control. Kruglansky studied the levels of NFC in response to terrorist attacks. After the London transit bombings in 2005, Kruglansky and his team asked over 100 people to complete questionnaires. They found that in the aftermath of the attack, people had heightened NFC levels and as a response, tended to support new counterterrorism policies they otherwise would not have agreed with. This study led Kruglansky to identify two stages to our desire for closure in reaction to stressful events, seizing and freezing. In the first stage, we seize as much information as we can, even unverified information, so that we can try to understand it and form an opinion about it. Once we feel we have enough information to form a personal conclusion, even if it's wrong, we freeze our opinion on the matter and disregard anything that might alter it. We commit to a conclusion because it's an answer that provides closure, and then we feel safe to move on. The writer, Konnikova, makes a clear connection between this instinct of seizing and freezing and our reactions to the Boston Marathon bombings. We went to Reddit for answers and didn't really care if the information was correct, so long as it offered an answer. 
The same effect can be seen whenever we encounter a new serial killer living amongst us. For example, consider the story of Edward Wayne Edwards and how he came to be blamed for the murder of Teresa Halbach. Edwards was born right here in Akron, Ohio in 1933. He grew up in a Catholic orphanage where he was abused by the nuns who worked there. He showed violent tendencies from an early age. He went to juvie, then left to join the Marines, but he couldn't cut it, so he went AWOL and was dishonorably discharged. Like Sam Little, Edwards kicked around the country after that, taking odd jobs as a handyman and working on the docks of shipyards. He started robbing gas stations and became a fugitive featured on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list after escaping from a jail in Oregon. When they finally caught up with him, they locked him up in Leavenworth for five years. The experience seemed to reform him at first. When he got out, he appeared on TV to talk about his life and how he'd changed, appearing on To Tell the Truth and What's My Line. He wrote an autobiography titled The Metamorphosis of a Criminal. But then he started killing people. In 1977, Edwards shot and killed 21-year-old Billy Levacco and 18-year-old Judith Straub with a 20-gauge shotgun. The couple had gone to Silver Creek Metro Park, which is in Ohio, possibly to make out. Their bodies were found in the tall grass near the girls' abandoned car. Edwards committed a similar crime in Concord, Wisconsin in 1980. Another couple, Tim Hack and Kelly Drew, were abducted after leaving a wedding reception. Their skeletal remains were found two months later along a railroad track. They'd been stabbed to death and strangled. DNA evidence eventually tied those murders to Edwards, but by then he'd already murdered his foster son as well. He was finally arrested in 2009. He was sentenced to death but died of natural causes before they could stick him with the needle. Following his death, retired homicide detective John Cameron claimed that Edwards could be the Zodiac Killer and also the murder of John Benet Ramsey. Cameron also believes Edwards framed Stephen Avery for the murder of Teresa Halbach, the case featured in the documentary Making a Murderer. As proof, he pointed to a man seen standing in the back of the courtroom at one of Avery's court appearances, who looked similar in appearance to Edwards. After the recent arrest of Rex Hewerman for the Gilgo Beach murders, online sleuths attempted to link him to other cold cases up and down the East Coast, as well as murders on Long Island that didn't fit his M.O. Earlier this year, the daughter of Dennis Rader, the serial killer known as BTK, joined up with law enforcement in an attempt to get him to confess to a number of other unsolved homicides. It's understandable this human need to consolidate our fears, but it does us no great service. So let's learn a little bit about how we could better manage that fear. And the best place to look is the Stoic philosophy, to philosophers like Seneca, who once said, we suffer more often in imagination than in reality. Stoicism is a school of thought that originated around 300 BC. It was founded by the philosopher Zeno of Sidium, who was searching for the answer to how one can lead a good life. Among other things, Stoicism is a way of learning to separate emotion from fact. How often do we roll through the front door in the evening and announce to our partner, I had a bad day? But you didn't have a bad day, not really, not ever. You had a day, an eight-hour day, and perhaps it was filled with complaints by upper management about your work performance, or you forgot to pack a lunch, or you got a flat tire on the way home. 
maybe all three, but those are factual events that just were. Those happened to you. But you chose to ascribe emotion to them. You let the circumstance make you mad or sad, and you didn't have to. You could instead have understood that we are kites in the wind, boats on the waves, with little control and no reason to dwell on the past. Likewise, one day you might win the lottery. You might meet the love of your life. You might find a $20 bill in your jacket pocket. A day like that might make you very happy. But it was also eight hours of your life. And at the end of the day, you're still here, on this planet, in this meat suit, living your life. The only difference is your happy perspective because you were lucky that day. And if that's how you gain happiness, it will be fleeting and fickle because luck never lasts for long. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Stoics believe we should leave virtuous lives and live in accordance with nature. We should not fight against the way things are in a vain attempt to arrive at some ethereal happy place. We should learn how to find happiness wherever we are. Stoics, in a sense, were the first hippies. Just go with the flow, man. And perhaps the most influential Stoic, 
the philosopher who has recently become the poster boy for young entrepreneurs and self-help gurus, was Emperor Marcus Aurelius. He lived a very long time ago, in the 2nd century AD, and was known as the last of the five good emperors of the Roman Empire. His father was an important political figure, but died when he was just three, and he was sent to live with his grandfather in an upper-class neighborhood. He was homeschooled like a proper aristocrat of his time. His teachers were artists, philosophers, and famous orators. He became emperor of Rome in 161 AD at the age of 39 and served for nearly 20 years as a Stoic ruler. As the historian Herodian wrote, Alone of the emperors, he gave proof of his learning not by mere words or knowledge of philosophical doctrines, but by his blameless character and temperate way of life. During his reign, Marcus Aurelius collected his private notes into 12 small books that were later published under the title Meditations. His personal stories revolve around the idea of how a person might find their place in the universe by realizing that everything came from nature and will one day return to nature. He explains how to acknowledge our lack of control over the universe and how to learn to manage our reactions to fate. We must realize that we can only be harmed by others if we allow our reactions to overpower us. Meditations, in many ways, is an instruction manual on how to find contentment in a world we can never control. Be like a rocky promontory against which the restless surf continuously pounds, he wrote. I hear you say, how unlucky that this should happen to me. Not at all. Say instead, how lucky that I am not broken by what has happened and not afraid of what is about to happen. The same blow might have struck anyone, but not many would have absorbed it without capitulation or complaint. He also said, If thou art pained by any external thing, it is not this that disturbs thee, but thy own judgment about it. And is it in thy power to wipe out this judgment now? And here's my personal favorite. Whatever happens to you has been waiting to happen since the beginning of time. The twining strands of fate wove both of them together, your own existence and the things that happen to you. Stoics do not seek closure to make themselves feel more at ease with the universe. The universe is indifferent and could care less about closure. We think we need it, but we don't. To find contentment, we just need to remember that we are part of that open-endedness. We are the non-closure, the mystery around us. It is a part of this weird life, and we should find a way to accept that. I'm reminded again of the night Amy Mihalovic's father invited me to his house for a cheeseburger. We sat at his kitchen table and talked about his murdered daughter, and because I was young and didn't know better, I asked him if finding Amy's killer would bring some sense of closure. He thought for a moment and then shook his head. Closure is for buildings, not people, he told me. He's been misunderstood in the online forums where anonymous commenters call him cold and detached. He's not cold. He's stoic. He's found a way to live with the pain. Sometimes we catch a really bad man like Samuel Little, and his arrest provides us with an opportunity to bring some order to this indifferent universe to make him the boogeyman of all the bad things we know about, just so we can have an answer. 
It's understandable that we think this way, but we should temper our desires for closure for closure's sake, because this world doesn't work that way. Texas Ranger James Holland, the man who exposed Sam Little as the most prolific serial killer in history, is no stoic. He didn't go with the flow. He wanted to tie up loose ends of the universe, to exert control over its indifference. This is a kind of hubris. Sam Little was not the only man to confess to James Holland, whom the media have dubbed the serial killer whisperer. In a new investigation by journalist and podcaster Maurice Chama has raised serious questions about his techniques and whether the men he put in prison are guilty at all. In March of 2005, the body of 29-year-old Bobby Sue Hill was discovered in a creek in Parker County, Texas. An examination of her body determined that she'd been strangled to death. But police had no leads, only a theory that Bobby Sue had been the sex worker who'd been murdered by a John. Then, in 2014, detectives re-interviewed a witness under hypnosis and created a composite sketch of the suspect, and then had the sketch aged to reflect the passage of time. By any definition, that certainly stretches the definition of evidence. But it led them to Larry Driscoll, who claims to have never hired a sex worker in his life. James Holland interrogated him over the course of several hours, though, and was able to get a confession. Chama has reviewed the taped interview and says that Holland lied to Driscoll about specifics of the investigation and used questionable techniques to elicit his confession. At times, Holland asked Driscoll to imagine he'd committed the crime, saying, Hypothetically, if you had committed the crime, how would you have done it? During the interrogation, Driscoll came to believe that he really was guilty of killing Bobby Sue, and that he had suppressed the memory. Only later did he come to realize he'd essentially been brainwashed. He recanted the confession, but now he's stuck in prison trying to undo it all, and the woman's likely killer is still out there somewhere. Then, in 2015, Holland got a man named Christopher Axe to confess to the 1997 murder of Sheban Naya Sarah Doherty. Newspapers across the country hailed Holland as a hero, but then the DNA results came in. It didn't match Christopher Axe, and the murder charges were dismissed. Unfortunately, his exoneration did not travel as widely as reports of his false confession, and it did little to damage Holland's reputation as the serial killer whisperer. Ask yourself, what is more likely? That Sam Little, a man who got caught for crimes again and again, somehow got away with 93 murders. Or that Sam Little, stuck in prison with no chance of ever getting out again, simply told Holland what he wanted to hear. Life rarely provides closure. We need to make peace with that. Instead of trying to control this indifferent world, we should learn to control our fear, our need for answers. If we can only learn to be stoic, we can close the door on the boogeyman for good. The Philosophy of Crime is a Fearful Symmetry production. This episode was recorded by Jeff Koval at the State Level Recording Studio in Fairlawn, Ohio. It was produced and edited by William Mankey. I'm James Renner. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out my new weekly podcast, True Crime This Week. 
William Mankey also writes the music for this podcast. Look for his other creations at woodif.com. Until next time, remember that there's a simple but challenging solution to the epidemic of crime. If everybody took the time to make good friends with their neighbors, we would know when somebody needs our help before they become a statistic. Don't be fearful of the world. Make friends and make it better. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.